Welcome to the Visualize You show. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt, and each week on the show, we'll talk about how you can live, love, and visualize the life and business of your dreams. I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already so that you can learn the practical skills that will help you to do the same. Let me help you to recognize your self-worth, honor your skills, and become confident being who you are always supposed to be. Now let's get on with the show. Hey listener, welcome to episode 78 of the Visualize You Show. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt, and in today's interview episode, I am so excited to share with you an interview I did with my good friend, Alistair Ballantyne, back in October last year, would you believe? I'm such a believer in divine timing, and it wasn't the right time to release that episode back before Christmas, but now absolutely it is the right time, and I'm so excited to get this episode out there into the world. It was a really juicy, in-depth interview, so much so that we spent way longer than we probably needed to discussing so many different things. And so I split this episode down into two parts. So this is part one, interview with a wizard. And remember to check for the next episode for the final part of this interview. Now, before I go on and introduce Alistair to you today, I just want to share a couple of things that are going on right now in my world. I am continuing to put the final things in place for the Visualize and Thrive Business Club. I've been working on some visualizations and meditations today for some really great content that I'm popping in there for all of the founding members that are going to be joining Visualize and Thrive. The waitlist is open. It's visualizeandthrive.com. That's visualize with an S because I'm in the UK. And if you haven't heard me talk about the Visualize and Thrive Business Club, there is an episode, the episode right before this episode 77, is all about what the Visualize and Thrive Business Club is and what will be included. But just in a nutshell, if it is brand new to you, it is the ultimate place for spiritual entrepreneurs to get that support and clarity, to take action, to create a vision and take action on their dreams, to achieve their goals through visualization, through the Visualize and Thrive framework, through accountability and masterminding, through training guest experts, and so much more. So if you're interested in any of that, check out last week's episode 77 and uh, check out visualizeandthrive.com. Jump on the waitlist because there is a very special founding members price that will only be open to founding members if you are on the waitlist. Okay, another thing that I want to share with you very quickly is that I'm going to be speaking at the Mental Health Awareness Summit, a time to heal 2022 hosted by the wonderful Amy Stevens. You can find out more about that at amystevens.net forward slash summit 2022. And it's all about tools and tricks and ways that you can take control of your mental health. And I'm going to be talking on the power of gratitude and visualization. I'm totally honored to be doing that. That's my first summit of 2022. I can tick that off my visualizations for the year. Okay. Back to today's interview. So let me introduce Alistair. Alistair is a transformation and alignment coach specializing in practical spirituality. He's from a long line of ancestral spiritual practitioners and he's on a mission to provide a pathway to self-realization for the modern audience. He's worked as a professional musician 
and educator for many, many years, working with healing intentions before he finally started Higher Transmissions to work more openly with spirituality. Now, just some of the things that we touch on in this episode, because there is so much. But just in part one, we talk about bringing spirituality and metaphysical inquiry to the matters. We talk about Alistair's journey, even from before he was born, and the pivotal points in Alistair's life that led to the most amazing transformation. We discuss why money and status isn't everything, but that we shouldn't see the material and the spiritual as separate. We talk about living on other planets and how in the future organisations will have their own seers and healers. What a wonderful world that will be. Now, at the end of this episode, Alistair starts to tell his story of his spiritual awakening and activation, but you're going to have to wait for episode two to hear how that all turns out for him and what happens next. So would you listen to this one? Check out episode 79. Okay, let me hand over to Alistair and I really hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Visualize You show. I'm joined today by the wonderful wizard that is Alistair Valentine. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so exciting. And just for a bit of context for the, the listeners. So we've been trying to do this podcast for a while, but also we've known each other online for a few months now, but we've never actually had face-to-face conversation. It's always been via Facebook Lives or in the same training groups and things like that. So it's yeah. nice to finally sit down and have a conversation. Yeah, with you absolutely. Today. So do you want to just start by telling us who Alistair is and what it is that you're doing in the world? <laughs> no, let's, let's start with the big question. Okay, so at the moment, I'm running a company called Higher Transmissions. And my mission essentially is to bring spirituality and metaphysical inquiry to the people without any of the woo, mm-hmm. without any of the kind of aesthetics, without any of the any of the stuff that tends to go along with spirituality now when you see it on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. There's a definite vibe. And I I love it. It's great. I'm the biggest fan. But at the same time, I feel that a lot of people are starting to ask questions about what is life like beyond the five senses? What is reality like beyond the three dimensions? But they maybe find all of this kind of stuff a bit off-putting or it's a bit of a barrier or maybe the way that they express their own expanded self is more like threaded into what they do. So I'm wanted to start flying the flag for the individuals should I say because to me it felt very important as someone who comes from an ancestral line of spiritual practitioners healers seers to really look at what's going on in the world and how is it where is the gap what don't we have how can we plug that hole So there's another place for people to go to ask these questions, to do the studies, to explore more, look at all the different concepts, just with another flavor, Mm -hmm. really. So that's my focus. You could call it coaching, because I do work with people one-to-one, but most of my stuff is online course classes, that kind of thing. So it's not location or time dependent. 
I think it's really important work that you do in the world. And like you said, there's all kind of noise going out there on there at the minute on the internet. And I think I've always felt we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think I felt stuck personally for the longest time because I wasn't allowing myself to be who I was. And I think a lot of people are trying to be who they are. And then they're getting lost in this. Is this spiritual? Am I allowed to do this? Should I be doing this? Or should I be doing this? And it's there's just, there's a need for what you're doing. So it's wonderful that you're doing the work that you're doing Thank in the world. But I'm really interested in your personal journey. Because when I first, I think when we first started connecting just through messages, there was like little things and little pings were going off in my head of oh my goodness that's same as me that's same as me that's same as me and I've had a long and winding journey it's taken me a long time to get to this point I think you're just a few years younger than me so congratulations you you're ahead of me in that sense (laughs) but I think I always found it really hard to get back onto my true path you could say that we're always on our, our path we're always on that journey we're always on the destination but it was definitely a struggle for me to fully integrate like the corporate world and the spiritual world and bring those two together and be myself, which I now feel able to do. So I'm really interested in knowing about your journey, where it all began for you, but let's just dive into your journey. So I guess we could start from before I was born. And don't worry, I'm not going to go into some kind of physical. I was existing as this, but um, (laughs) on my mum's side of the family, they come from Iran and they fled Iran just before the revolution, because they're practicing different religion. But if you go back that on that line, there is deeply spiritually gifted people. We were talking mm-hmm. like all the stuff, like fortune telling, psychics, healing, seers, magicians, all this kind of stuff, going right the way back to, we can't even put a number on it in terms of the year. Something happened within my, I think it was the trauma of going through all of that and having to leave their country and then Mm. coming and settling in the UK and just really trying to fit in. There was something about that trauma that essentially with my, I mean, my grand didn't do it. My grand's still very active, but my mum and my auntie, for example, completely closed themselves off. So there was always that whisper of something Mm. when I was a little kid. And to me, that stuff always made more sense than what was going on around me. Because I grew up in the East Midlands. I was born just outside of Glasgow, so my dad's Scottish. And then we moved down to England, I think, when I was three or four, around that kind of time. And where I grew up was very conservative, very white English Christianity, this kind of, you know, that mm-hmm. stuff, that that lineage. And I was a kind of ethnic diversity quota in my class at school, which is weird because you wouldn't think it to look at me. So for me, it was like it was always there in the background. There was always this ability to know what was going to happen. There was this, always this ability to read energy as it was flowing through a situation and and just I could always feel other people's emotions as well. So there was just some stuff that was latent from as long as I can remember. And then when I was about 14, my parents both started remarrying and I had to go my own way into the world. So my parents were quite young when I came along, like 23, 24. Yeah. And 
I, in the process of finding my own way, I started to close myself off to a lot of this stuff just purely because it was survival. I basically ran away to music college to escape uh, an abusive relationship and which was female to male abuse, which we mm-hmm. don't talk about a lot. So that was a kind of, all. yeah, we, we do exactly. But the abuse of another is, an, a, is a conversation we need to have more of. We're talking at maybe what, 2002, 2003. The conversation wasn't there mm-hmm. at the time. So a lot of this was internalized. I do four years at music college, start my career as a musician and then towards the end of college I ended up having this full-on breakdown because I'd been seeing a therapist in the oh it's 11 11 I've been seeing a therapist in my last year of college yeah not romantically I actually going to talk to (laughs) someone which was really just to try and unpack all of the stuff that happened in my adolescence there was like a psychologically abusive stepmother Mm -hmm. and then running away to this abusive partner and all this kind of stuff and then I ended up going on this journey that while I was still I was working as a guitar player for the hire like professionally for a number of years and then I thought this is all fair but I need something more that's going to allow me to move around so I decided to become a teacher as well I thought if I can get a teaching qualification I can move to another town, another city, and I can get a job and I don't have to think, oh, I need to go where my band is or I need to go where my contacts are. Because I've always been a bit like a a leaf in the breeze, really, when it comes to it. I got the teaching qualification. And during my studying for that, I had to do a research project. And the research project was all about articulating consciousness through artistic performance. And wow. it was it was mad because I was working as a guitar lecturer on vocational music courses, so like 16 plus. And I wanted to find how we could express or encourage expression of higher ideas, because to me, music was always energy that mm-hmm. was translated through me into the guitar or the computer or whatever I was using at the time it would always come through and I'm like if I can do that everyone else can do it so how can I as a teacher help others get to that point so it was trying to start to triangulate this a bit I ended up finishing that and then that was the same time as the Brexit vote was this like the same day that I got my qualification certificate and I was living in Leicester which was very Brexit heavy I'm a mixed race Mm -hmm. person and I thought you know what I grew up with all this nonsense. I'm not going to go through this again. So I moved down to London. When I came to London, I was working as a supply teacher, just doing music before this is okay. Yeah. I can just stay in the city. And then after about a year, or just under a year, actually, I got a job managing a course at a music college. So if, if you think of it, the lineage of a career of someone that started off as a professional guitar player to then becoming part of an institution as a manager, course Mm -hmm. director, all of this kind of stuff. Fantastic. You think, ah, I've made it. I've I've got to a point here where I can get the binoculars out and look across the mountain range and see where I want to go next. Yeah. I ended up having the worst time Mm -hmm. in that job because it was just, it wasn't about music. It wasn't about art. It was about money. It was the students were viewed with little cash signs above their heads. My upline was a nightmare. And it got to a point where 
the students were having all manner of these mental health issues, which I had seen developing over the course of the generation. When I first graduated in 2008 from the guitar degree, I was working as a guitar teacher alongside gigging. So I'd had the virtue of working with an entire generation across the country, seeing how the way that schooling had changed, the way that everything was become very draconian discipline, you know, mm-hmm. was really messing with them by the time that they got into adolescence and adulthood. Yeah. And we're probably staring down the barrel of a mental health crisis like we have not yeah, seen. Yeah, and how long has that been going on? Because I remember feeling that way as an adolescent and I'm sure millions of people have felt like that a long time. It's fundamentally flawed as institutions. Yeah. and this is it. So we've been staring down that barrel for mm-hmm. a long time as the world is changing. So 2018, I ended up having to leave my job for health reasons. I started having chest pains. I couldn't sleep. And I remember just talking to one of my colleagues about what was going on because the upline wasn't helping the kids. They're still mm-hmm. kids until they're 19 when you're working for further education and then I got signed off I couldn't work for a year and a half and then in that time I started to have these experiences where everything was coming back yeah uh Um, and that's when things got really interesting we'll come back to that point then where things started getting interesting but just going all the way back to the beginning then when you said there were these whispers and there was something in that you knew there was something in that ancestral line was Mm. that through the stories how did you know that was that an intuitive whisper or was that you had those conversations with your family where did that knowledge come from it was a mixture because they would never really talk about Iran because it was just so painful for them there's Mm. no one ever wants to leave their country this is Mm. what people in Britain don't understand about refugees and immigrants is no one ever wants to leave their home it's when there is no other option. So for them, it was it was too much. So I used to ask like my mum questions or I would just try and catch my grandparents off guard. Yeah. Can't really say no to a curious four-year-old. Did you, know you say mean? why all the time? I used to like, that was my go-to <laughs> word. Like my mum used to be like, you're driving me insane, child. Like, why are you asking all these questions? <laughs> but I was very inquisitive as well. I was always like, but why? And why is that? I used to say, how did we get on this planet? And how different people of different races and cultures on different Mm. continents? I used to ask these ridiculous questions. They're not ridiculous. They're quite sensible questions. But I used to ask them when I was like four or five years old. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, listener. How would you like to spend a whole 30 days with me learning how to bring more positivity into your life? In the 30-day gratitude journey experience, you remember who you are. You recognize your superpowers identify your zone of genius and create a vision for your life and business that you'll be so excited to make a reality. To find out more, head to bethhewitt.com forward slash gratitude. This is where we're, okay, we're just going to go right there, but I had distinct memories Mm -hmm. as a child of living on other planets. Yeah. Living in other times, living on earth in a time that made no sense. There was no record of it in the history books. I just knew that it was ancient, like tens of thousands of years ago, this kind of stuff. This is why I want to like talk about some of the similarities because there's just so much in your story. So I remember being in the bath as a child as well. My mum used to bop me on the nose and I would go back to a different time frame, time place. I would be somewhere else. And I had 
I mean, my mum was quite encouraging of that. She was very spiritual. So I had that supportive home in, in order to be able to do that. But I also have these memories of being on a different planet in a different place. I think it was Lemuria. I have a Lemurian quartz around my neck because I can just remember the water and the uh, the creating of the, the knowledge and all of that kind of stuff. So I love having these kind of conversations. Do you um, meditate on the star of Sirius at all? I don't, but maybe I should. I'm yeah. just getting a little kind of tickle at the back of Aha. my head to just add a question. So. so the other similarity is around to that age of 14. So my parents got, I think, divorced when I was... 13 years old so it again it was that kind of adolescence where oh do you know what I'm just gonna become me as an individual and run away from that but although I was still doing oracle card readings at home on an evening to myself that was my one of my coping mechanisms but there was definitely a divide at that part from my spiritual self on the outside being in school around my friends around my peers there was definitely that escapism so I just find that really interesting, that that similar age as well. This is it. And then I think, you know, as an adolescent, there's that drive because, I, you know, family life fell apart. Had my parents, they'd separated when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Then my grand died and I chose to stay with my dad. And then my dad got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, mm-hmm. which the injecting type. And there was, I remember one night when I was, having to rub like glucose gel into his guns so he didn't go into like unconsciousness. Yeah, it's just stuff like that. It just felt like childhood wasn't really a thing. It mm-hmm. felt like it was more of a formality. Come on, Valentine, play catch up. You've got work to do. So <laughs> I find it interesting in in that regard that I think a lot of us that go into the work have these experiences younger in life. It feels to me, like it's meant to be accelerated. So we come into these impressions and reflections in our 30s rather than our 70s or 80s. Yeah, I think, so I remember being very small and seeing this treadmill in front of me. You know, I could see that you have to go to school and you have to get the qualifications and you have to do this and this and you have to get married and then you can enjoy it when you're in like your 60s. That made no sense to me. And so you're right, there's this acceleration of, I need to move along these stepping stones to get to where I think I need to go. And I was the same as you in the sense of it was about status and acquiring a level of money because that's when I think I'm going to be happy. But then when I got to that point, it wasn't fulfilling, but I had even more responsibility than I did before. Mm. And I had that breakdown as well. I had those chest pains and I had physical illness and I also got signed off and I couldn't work any longer. So I think there's so many people who are on that treadmill who are doing that thing that we think society tells us to do, which is that honourable thing to go up that career ladder and amass this wealth and status. But it's, if it's not fulfilling to the soul, then what is the point? Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with having all the wealth in the world if you're going to do something with it. You know, and it's making gonna... you happy. If yeah. there's no joy in it, then what's the point? That's, that's it. I think there's... It's interesting because the further we go into the work, the further it feels while things like free will don't exist. Mm -hmm. We become a a vessel for the hand of divinity. So what we think and feel and believe just 
becomes more like a lens because I know that years ago if we'd have had this conversation like 15 years ago be like yeah man we don't need no wealth or nothing we just need the land like <laughs> <laughs> this kind of crap whereas now it's I feel really strongly that we shouldn't view the material and the spiritual as separate mm-hmm. and and I think one of the great tricks that we've played on ourselves is to think that we have to have this very ascetic life of we renounce everything because of the because of the trauma and the difficulty that's attached with that lid like the box ticking life Mm -hmm. that one that's the first challenge for all of us really isn't it how do we pull ourselves out of the box ticking existence into something more fruitful and fulfilling and then when we come back we're both business owners coaches healer practitioners readers so this kind of stuff so how then when we come back as that how is it that we see that blueprint for prosperity yeah and in an enlightened prosperity and I always see it as like a train like a junction like a train station that has got many different lines coming to and from it that the more we have moving through this the more others around can benefit whether that's solely materially or solely spiritually or a mm-hmm. mixture of the two there's a property and a quality about that particular aspect that part of the frequency spectrum that we can work with because then if I'm doing my thing you're doing your thing the next person's doing their thing and so on and then you zoom right out you can see that it's like a net with mm-hmm. these different nodes all connected up to each other yeah I, I think I read something on your website it said let's build something new by focusing on what lies ahead built on the integrative foundation of what has become before and I am also of that belief it's about that connection of the dots that those nodes that you've just mentioned of acknowledging all of those skills and experiences and everything that has come before and actually that gives us some really good clues to what we're supposed to be doing in the world yeah Yeah, so I think that we choose who we are before we're born. Mm -hmm. We choose our, choosing a family is like choosing a bank account, one of my friends said to me once. (laughs) I was like, that's really good, because it sets you up for what you need to be doing. And as a mixed race person, I feel it's really important to have the discussion on race and spirituality, Mm -hmm. but in a way that's inclusive. Yeah. Because the problem that we have is there's people are digging their heels in on either side because there's so much trauma, there's so much pain, there's so much revision that needs to be done. And then you have a group of people coming along going, oh, can't we all just focus on unity and hold hands? We can't do that until we've healed the divide, healed the wounds, healed the stories. Mm. So when I say integratively, and building on the past, if we can look at these things that have happened in society over our history and the, the looking at how to create a more um, equitable society so everyone has that, then we can actually start to build something new. I don't believe in focusing on the wounds or opening the wounds right up and pouring salt in them and make it worse. It's just like, how can we look at that center circle of the Venn diagram. Even if one person's circle just overlaps it very tiny Mm. or someone else's circle is right the way in most of it. Yeah. As long as we're all in there somehow, then I think we can build something new rather than it just being like that pendulum 
swinging one way, swinging the other, because that. that yeah, that reaction action that will never end unless we consciously choose to end it. And I think that's where some of the resistance comes, certainly when I struggle to bring my corporate career side together with my spiritual side, there was resistance because I was seeing it as two separate things being brought mm. together. But in a sense, it was all it was always whole. It was always part of who I was. And I think that's the bit where people get stuck sometimes. This this is it, because I think that if we look now at the rise of the B corporations, for example, mm. and how a B corporation has to have certain amount of criteria to be signed off on as a B corporation. Previously, 20 years ago, a corporation having a charitable arm was seen as a selling point. Now it's seen as a standard. So if we think more What's it going to be like in 20 years and then another 20 years and another 20 years? The culture will shift that you probably will have a corporation will have its own seer. Corporation will have its own healers. And these kind of things will look at like how the gap is being bridged, because particularly like with quantum sciences filling in a lot of the gaps that we would have discussed with spirituality, the internet being in such a way that the world can talk to each other a lot more, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, we can start to see that a lot of these different ways of looking at reality, looking at the world, we've had for thousands and thousands of years. So we'll start to see more of a fusion between yeah. these different cultures. So someone like two, three generations behind us, they won't be asking themselves these questions because that's our... Yeah. Yeah, that's it, because it's our task, isn't it? That's our job. That's our job in the world. Okay, so let's go back to this pivotal moment then where everything changed for you. Okay. What was going on? (laughs) So that was May 28. I like the ping pong style. This is good. So May 2018, 25th of May uh, 2018, everything just ground to a halt. So I was 33. And think about it. This was everything I'd been doing since I was 17. Mm-hmm. the moment that I, I didn't last a full year at sixth form college I was just like no Me no neither. I don't it's another one I don't want this I worked really hard at my GCSEs because I didn't want to do any of them again mm-hmm. and then I just thought I'm going to leave that and do my own thing now so every that train that momentum everything I'd worked for I'd sacrificed a lot for as well suffered and a great joy as well just complete halt and I could barely do anything for three months. I couldn't walk for more than five minutes without getting exhausted. I couldn't even entertain the question of, would you like a cup of tea? Couldn't answer it, just nothing. So I'd met my partner not long before that, bless her. She didn't have to, another Yorkshire woman. She didn't have to stay with me, but she did. We still are <laughs> together now. But it was as if like suddenly things started clicking into place. Yeah. We moved house. We decided to sublet our room for two months and just go and visit family and do things so that was quite restorative then when I came back to London I started getting very interested in psychedelic research Mm. because I was interested in how using these compounds in a therapeutic setting could create new neural connections and I felt I needed something to uh, doing the CBT, doing the meditation. I was past that. I was like, yeah. conventional medicine cannot help me right now. 
because another thing, as healers, practitioners, seers, magicians, guides, advisors, you name it, we have access to the full spectrum of the human experience. Mm -hmm. I was very aware that I didn't want to go back to the doctor and be given like sertraline again, or go and do sticking plaster counselling. So I managed to get myself on an experimental psychedelic assisted psychotherapy research trial on the NHS. And that was in May, June 2019, so a year on. Yeah. Um, and I'd filled my life with other things. I was really like, I'm never going to play the guitar again. I'm never going to do all this. So I nearly put my guitars on eBay. Thank God I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I had this thing where it just, I went on this research trial and it just allowed me to reconnect and do a lot of healing, like very visually as well. I yeah. won't go like super into it in this, but it was just like just being given the key to a door Mm -hmm. I went through that doorway and I started to feel a bit more like myself and it got to the point where the end of 2019 I had my guitar in my hands back on stage playing music life was good December 2019 we all know what's coming next (laughs) yeah we get to March so I'd, was go- I'd gone to Portugal in February of 2020 to organize an event. That was great. It's like, my God, my life is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next month, you know, people are talking about this, this virus on the other side of the mm-hmm. world. Like, oh, yeah, all right. How many times have we read about this kind of thing? Um, so March comes along and then I'm, we're about 10 days in to the first lockdown. And I remember being stood in the, the garden going oh there has to be more there has to be more I go back into the kitchen and I felt this presence with me in the Mm -hmm. kitchen and then this hand on my shoulder and so one thing about my family is a lot of my people I consider family are not actually blood relatives when I was a kid like really close family friends was my auntie Carmen who's not a blood relation or relation Mm -hmm. by marriage just incredibly close she she used to call me Milo She's Caribbean oh, descent. So she yeah. just, I heard this, felt this presence, this hand on my shoulder. And then I hear, Milo, why are you so depressed? Oh. This is the time you came here for. So you would have all of your experience, all of your knowledge, all of your wisdom, all lined up and ready to go. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. What do we do with this? So the first thing I did was I, went on Facebook and I remembered who the hell I was. I was like I'm a teacher, performer, I'm very as respected in what I was doing. So I just put on Facebook and I was like, who wants to do a free four-week course in how to transfer your skills as what you've done? And and then just like off the bat, I didn't think about it. We got 14 people going on this four-week journey. And the whole course was about looking at like how we see the world Mm -hmm. and how we can engage with the world. And I was drawing heavily on the experiences I had on that research trial, a lot of the visions and then my work as a teacher. And then I just thought, okay, and it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, that was the beginning of of doing the work like this so I've been reading tarot for a few years by this point as well which was fun so I think 33rd birthday 32nd birthday 
no, it was the 33rd. My God, that's prophetic now. When I, <laughs> I just got my first set and I could just do it. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is weird. It's just like remembering. So after I did that course, I then started looking at, okay, how can I teach people without being a teacher? Because the concept of coaching was a bit alien to me at that point. I was like, the sort, you know, I'm from Glasgow. It's the kind of thing you take the mickey out of, basically. And then that sort of got the ball rolling about, okay, what about doing something where we're talking about consciousness? And then I saw this article about the declassified research on law of attraction, manifestation, reality being a hologram. And I was like, okay, I'm going to train as a law of attraction coach, train as a law of attraction coach. Mm -hmm. And then as part of that, I was doing a clearing, belief clearing certificates, the different techniques to clear beliefs. I came across EFT and I was like, oh my God, this is helping move the emotional energy in my body. So then I trained as an EFT practitioner as well. And it was all about looking at ways to bring in the metaphysical into the physical. So we see ourselves as that interface. And then of course, over the COVID lockdowns, loads of weird stuff happened, like the channel opening up, seeing things, seeing beings around the house and wow having one night where there was I was getting very frustrated because as much as I'm into spirituality and ancient ancient civilizations and hidden history and all these kind of things I'm not into the tinfoil hat stuff personally it's I think we have to have that discerning thing we need to be able to read information and make our own minds up about it but it's not this grand battle of good and evil in life I don't believe that so I was getting frustrated seeing all these things on the internet like channeling and stuff and channeling that referenced politics and all of this kind of stuff like oh yes well the political situation here means this and this is the way and I thought this is just complete nonsense why can't I channel why can't I channel Mm -hmm. higher aspects of myself that night I had an experience where I was watching a film with my partner. It was one of the Marvel movies or something. We're just laughing and joking. At the end of the movie, she stands up like a robot. I must go to bed now. I will go to sleep. I'm going upstairs. Your partner did? Yeah. I was just like, what? What? This is weird. Because we were just talking like this. And then literally, bam, next second. So I just start pottering around, tidying up the front room. And I see something. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to the Visualize You show. If you enjoyed this episode, then why not subscribe wherever you get your podcasts? And if you would like to be with a chance to win 12 months access to the Visualize and Thrive Business Club Lounge, then simply tag me and the show anywhere you like on your social media. Simply use the hashtag Visualize You show. And if you catch my eye, then you could be sitting in the lounge next month. So until next time, remember to visualize you.